it, it's it's summer. It's summertime. Summer, summer, summertime. Right, Michelle? Right, Greg? I love summer. Summer. Love summer. All right. We have a very special guest today, folks. You may have seen him do amazing hip-hop improv with his dope-ass group called Dope Town 3000. He's a writer. He's a director. He's an actor. He does it all, folks. Welcome, Greg Smith. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It is summer, baby. It's summer. Um, I'm your host, Kimberly Trung, and uh, by my virtual side is my co-host, Michelle Varey, also excited that it's summer. What are you guys doing this summer, you guys? Uh, I thought I would switch things up and stay in quarantine because of the <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, I know. That's I know. This so pandemic's weird. really killing the summer vibe, right? Oh my God. It's really killing it. I mean, hot mask summer. Mm. Hot girl summer. <laughs> hot mask. Just put that mask on, everybody. And you have um, been microwaving your masks, right? I feel like I read a news article about you that you're making the masks literally hot. Is that right? <laughs> literally oh. hot. In the microwave? Ooh, that's too much. That's, that's a lot. Too much. That's all kinds of hot. That is all kinds of hot. I'm not going to lie. Uh, they're, they're taking off that mask, right? When you get in the car or wherever, walking back into your house, like, praise be, get this mask off me. <laughs> I really um, hope that like someone at Stouffer's or something who like specializes in or like hungry man, they're like, here's an idea from Greg. <laughs> Microwave dinner and a mask. Enjoy your summer. You're welcome. It's like your adult prize, right? <laughs> like when you were a kid and you got that, like, uh, what was that kid's? Um, like a Happy Meal? No, no, no. The kid's frozen one with the penguin. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Oh, what was it? <laughs> oh, I, I used to die for those things. And it had like a little brownie in it. Yes. And then, like, with, the, uh, with the sprinkles. Yeah. Yeah. All they, have to, all they have to do is add a little compartment and you put your mask in there and voila. <laughs> or it comes with a mask. Comes with the and mask. It, you it, can put it, it according to Greg, you just off. put it all in the microwave. Yeah. It's all sanitized. You're no longer hungry. I keep tweeting at Dr. Fauci that. We just got to microwave the coronavirus away. Just <laughs> nuke it for a sec. And he keeps being like, who are you? How did you get this address? <laughs> Stuff like that. I thought I blocked you. Stop. <laughs> I've blocked you. I've blocked you uh, <laughs> online and somehow you are now in my home. How did this happen? He has a lovely home, by the way. Split level ranch. It's great. You know, I would that's have what I would imagine. Yeah. You know, that's funny. I would I would have not pictured ranch for Dr. Fauci. Oh. What do you what do you picture that guy in? I picture him in like a Cape Cod. Yeah. Oh. You know, on a, on a, maybe like, that's his summer home. Maybe. <laughs> Cape Cod summer home. Um, guys, I know we're in the middle of a pandemic and it totally sucks. Are you guys doing anything creative to keep those summer vibes going? Yeah, I, I, summer is uh, a, a favorite time of year for me. I love summer and all the stuff about it. I'm mm. like, I'm wearing a lot of tank tops. <laughs> is that fun? This is a tank I'm wearing. Um, I'm like listening to a lot of sugary pop music. Yep. Like okay. the new, the new Dua Lipa record, the new Kim Petras, uh, okay. Jesse Ware just put out a record that's like a perfect summer album. 
I will. I work from home. That's usually when I listen to my summer music, and I'll just like get up and sort of weirdly dance in the kitchen for a second. Wow, Greg, are we related? I mean, stop already with this. I I um I'll I kick out the jams at quarantine this summer. Yeah. Um, I've made. Uh, Kim might Kim knows this. Uh, Greg doesn't, but um, I'm a big fan of the playlist, a, a particularly a playlist with a theme. Ooh. Um, maybe I'll create a shark playlist and send that out. Um, Ooh. but so I've created a, more playlists than I've ever cared to on Spotify. And when I get a break during work or in between uh, washing dishes and doing laundry, I mean, we're going for it. Full dance party indoors. What is the, um, I have a very specific nerdy playlist. I got a couple of those. What's like the most specific playlist you have? Um, well, this is not some related, but this is very specific. I read somewhere that plants, indoor and outdoor plants, thrive with classical music. So I created a very specific classical music playlist that um, if I'm working and not on calls, then I'll play that for the plants in my home. <laughs> I think they really enjoy it, you guys. I'm happy to share it. That's that so conscientious. That is, you are a good plant mom. <laughs> Let me tell you right now, anybody who started a playlist for their indoor plants, <laughs> it's just uh, That's oddly specific, I realize. Have you heard of, there's this, um, I'm going to, this is very specific. There's this 1970s synth player named Mort Garson, I think is his name. Tell me more. Do you more. guys fuck with Mort Garson by any chance? <laughs> No, but I might after you tell me more. <laughs> he, in like the 70s, he put out a plant, an album specifically made for plants. Wow. And they're all like kind of easy listening, synthy sort of stuff. There's one song in it called You Don't Have to Walk a Begonia that <laughs> I will earnestly listen to and like, I love it. It's highly recommend this album. Okay, if we're gonna have to drop a link new. in the description of that because that's we'll drop think, some links or you can we have some hot links coming out through here. Spotify. This is some great Playlist. content, man. My goodness, Greg e Mort Garson. Greg, did you know that you're our very first guest? What? No, you are our very first guest. This is episode four for us. Wow, I'm so honored. Him. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> that sounded so. Uh... Um, You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, is that it? Did I say something wrong? <laughs> Did I talk about Mort Garson too much? Too no, much. In fact, you didn't talk about him enough. Uh, no. We'll come back to Mort Garson. <laughs> I feel like people are listening and be like, "Take it takes it's taking a turn, guys. You took it in a weird turn." <laughs> so I thought we were turn the wheel. Uh, yeah, exactly. Our listeners like uh, I thought. This was labeled Shark Week. <laughs> Shall we talk a little bit on why we chose Shark Week? Michelle, why did you choose Shark Week? Oh, I, I thought in a stroke of genius, this was an incredible idea as a theme. We, Kim and I have been talking a lot about different topics, and I got really excited when they announced that Shark Week was coming in the beginning of August 2020 because we're not going anywhere. We're definitely not going back into the water Uh 
anytime soon. At least I know I'm not. I know I'm not if there's a shark in there. But uh, I suggested to Kim that we choose a shark theme for. In my mind, I thought, what a great idea, like a shark attack movie theme, which in hindsight is a little heavy when you start watching shark attack movies back to back. <laughs> but I thought it would be – I actually thought – we we debated it. Um, I'm a huge Shark Week fan. Um, and I don't know shit. <laughs> You you just not you're not a huge fan of Shark Week. It's uh we had this conversation yesterday, but it's not that I'm not interested. It's that I've just never watched it. Which, which I means you're say- not interested. <laughs> Kim said this to me yesterday, Greg. She's like, it it was it was regarding this and actually and maybe something else. She's like, it's just that it's not that I'm not I it's not that I don't care about it or that I'm not interested. I guess I just don't really give it any of my time. And I was like, that means you don't care about it. By definition, yeah. <laughs> By definition, you just <laughs> said you don't care about it. So to everybody who's listening from Discovery or even Nat Geo, we apologize. We've just uh, lost another sponsor. <laughs> Every episode, we managed to just cross off yet another sponsor. That's uh, all right. We've got Stouffer's and Hungry Man here to stay. And that uh, kids cuisine, kids yeah, cuisine. Kids that quiz. is what it's finally. called. Yep. Finally, finally. Thank you, brain. You finally come through for me. Kids cuisine. Hi. Um, I think we have a very exciting show. We expanded out the theme from this idea of like literal sharks into literal and or I'm sorry, metaphorical sharks. People who behave shark-like are favorite fictional characters who may be, you know, smelling blood in the water. Um, I'm very excited for this episode. We, the three of us have no idea which ones, uh, which characters we are bringing in today, but um, let's go ahead and get this show started. Hey, this is Kim, and if you know me, you know how much I love coffee. I can't function without it. We don't have any advertisers, but we just want to use this time to give a quick shout out to a Black-owned business here in Los Angeles called Bloom & Plume. They are located in Echo Park. They do wonderful, beautiful, the most gorgeous lattes and teas and drinks you've ever seen in your life. On top of it, they sell some pretty awesome merch. Stop in and get a beautiful bouquet or an awesome, beautifully designed t-shirt. You won't regret it. That's Bloom and Plume Coffee in LA. And you can check them out at bloomandplumecoffee.com. Hey, everyone. It's uh, Michelle Veray and Kimberly Trong. And we have our special guest today, Greg Smith. Hello again. Welcome to Crush Fictionally. Uh, We're so excited for this episode. Uh, We're talking kind of like a broad brushstroke on sharks today, uh, inspired by uh, Shark Week 2020, or I mean, if you're partial to any other Shark Week 
Like Pick, 20, nothing was better than 2013 Shark Week. <laughs> then this podcast is for you. I'm so glad you're listening. Um, so we're going to talk about sharks today, which I'm so excited. Uh, I don't. I have no clue who either of you have picked as your favorite fictional character, either in a literal shark movie or a character who is figuratively acting like a shark. Um, but I have this interesting like feeling towards Shark Week. Uh, Kim and I were talking about it the other day, and I think that it's hard to explain, but I am fascinated by uh, shark, Shark Week, yes, but any kind of like deep sea adventure or like study. Fascinated. There is no way I would ever do that. I'm also terrified. Like there the only place I would rather not be in than open water is like space. Like <laughs> I want no I'm part of it. 100% with you. I very much love ground and earth and the <laughs> idea of floating through space and like dying that way or dying in the ocean are the two places I fear most. Oh my god, you could put, you know, Sandra Bullock uh George Clooney, you could put Brad Pitt out in space trying to work through his daddy issues, and I'm still like, <laughs> no <dice>. anyone, <laughs> no dice. I'm good. Have you heard that? Have you heard that horrible statistic that we have human as humans have discovered more about space than the ocean? Have you heard yes. that? Sti- mm-hmm. I hate that in my bones. <laughs> that is such a scary. That is such a scary thing to think about. We should know what's going on. It's right there. It's crazy. Um. Uh, yeah. No. I. I. I don't know. You look. I. Michelle knows this. I watch freaking unsolved mysteries. I watch all this paranormal crap. Like I am here for that. And so I will lose sleep at the idea of like, oh my god, what's underneath those oceans, man. <laughs> Unsolved mystery, the ocean. (laughs) Unsolved mystery, the the Pacific Ocean edition. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. The entire Pacific Ocean is an unsolved mystery. But if I come across like an article or someone sends me something and it's like, the what was the one I (laughs) saw the other day was like, hammerhead shark attacks black reef, black tipped reef sharks. I was like, hmm click like mm. i'm there for it. i will watch all kinds of stuff like that but i um i'm not a person who would like scuba dive or do anything like that so i feel like today we'll talk about sharks for me it's like this weird dichotomy of like fascination and fear which i don't know that there are other things and maybe there's something for you guys that falls into that category but i feel like this is i remember as a kid doing the submarine ride at Disneyland and thinking it was like one real um don't at me i was little i thought <laughs> that we were going in a literal I think that's submarine the point of disney though <laughs> i thought it was real and i love it and to this day i enjoy it maybe not as much as i did back in the day cuz it's changed but i was there for it but if someone was like you know you put a gun to my head and told me i had to choose to get on the submarine. Well, it was nice knowing you guys because I would well, not do it. Well, it was a good friendship while it lasted. <laughs> you guys are great. Love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I'm very interested in what you guys brought in today because I, you know, I got a, I got a few. Greg, you don't know this, but uh, Michelle and I like to, you know, maybe bring in one or two characters, and maybe we'll have some honorary shout outs, you know, to the people that didn't exactly make it to the number one spot, or should I say, the sharks that didn't make it to the number one spot, whether literal or uh, figurative. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm very excited. So I would like, because Greg is our guest today, yes. I would like to dive right into Greg's and see what shark. Now, okay, I'm going to take a guess. Michelle and I are going to guess. Did Greg bring in a literal or metaphorical shark? I'm, I'm secret, not a secret anymore. I'm secretly <laughs> hoping that he brought a literal shark favorite. Ooh. I'm going to say he brought a literal shark as well. Like something we don't even know about. It's like some hipster underground, like Japanese More Garson. More Garson. He's Canadian but lives in Tokyo now. Like that kind of like, that kind of in-depth study shark, shark week style. That's what I, that's what, no pressure. (laughs) No, I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm hoping for a real shark, but I will. I I have no doubt. I will. I will be happy either way. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint. <laughs> uh, it is not a literal shark. It's kind of from a. I guess you could call it like a cool hipster thing. The I like the way you phrased it, Michelle. Fear and fascination. I tried to bring two characters who one of them represents more of the scary negative qualities of a shark, and one of them represents the more positive, fascinating. So I'll start with the fear. Ooh. This is the main character of a TV show I like a lot called Search Party. Ah. This is Dory Seif, as played by Aaliyah Shawkat. Yes. Now, I've heard great things about this show. Greg, why should I watch this show? Oh, Search Party is the most bingeable show anyone has ever made. I Interesting. That's a hot, hot take. Yeah. That's a big endorsement. It's three seasons. Um, it's on HBO Max. It's a half-hour comedy, but I put comedy in quotes because the plot of it involves mysteries and finding people and killing people and reckoning with inner demons and deciding to just turn into a demon. And I, I inhale this show. It's paced so quickly. There's a lot of jokes, but it's also like got a fun thriller plot. It's so much fun. Sold. I'm sold. You know what? You're not the first person who has dropped uh, search history onto my uh, or uh, added search, me about this. Was uh, like, search party. Oh, sorry, search party. Thank you. <laughs> what, is, what is search history? That's that like, is uh, a, that's whatever that's you just cleared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever he. <laughs> I know the way that it is, literally. <laughs> but <laughs> but there's oh, you know what? I'm getting uh, sorry. I'm getting all my worlds crossing together. That is a UCB improv show, uh-huh. Search History, which honestly I don't think I've seen. Um, I'm doing great. Uh, <laughs> search Party. You're not the first person, Greg, to have uh, dropped Search Party into my lap. Another friend also highly, highly, highly recommended it. And I need to get in on it because it sounds like something I would like because I love mysteries and comedy. Yeah, yeah you would really, this, especially hearing that you're into like the unsolved mysteries of it all, this, this sounds right up your alley. Now, in terms of sharks, what do we know about sharks? Michelle, you're probably the shark expert here. Like... <laughs> 
Like, bitch, why'd you do this? Put me on blast. Hold on, you guys. Let me get my files over here. <laughs> okay. From what I quickly Google searched, sharks operate alone. They mostly operate alone. They're predators. They don't even really like the taste of humans. Girl, what do you need me for? Why are you telling me that you're going to put me on blast and try to give me research? You just hit us up. You hit Greg and me up with like 20 facts, like right out of the gate. <laughs> because you watch Shark Week. And as you know, I'm <laughs> Are you lucky watching Shark Week and not telling us? <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Um, but yes, yeah, you're but- exactly jokes aside. Yes, you're all those are all correct. So, is there anything what stood out for you, Greg, in terms of what made her shark like? Everything you just said feels like her, and I. It's. I suppose it's going to be a little hard to talk about what makes her a shark without spoiling it, because she. Over the three seasons, she goes on a pretty dramatic arc. It's a little mm. like uh, Walter White, who was kind of an honorable yeah. mention of mine. Ooh, yeah. Oh. That's a great one. We we I- literally talk about Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul every episode. So yeah. thank you for doing that for us, Greg, because we probably were going to work we that We didn't want to seem that thirsty. Like, yeah, yeah. So you did episode. it for us. This is not planned. What's interesting, though, is like, I think for me, like, as I was going through, like, this whole the research leading up to this and watching certain things um this idea of like who i'm rooting for like kim and i have talked about like heroes versus villains in a previous episode we're talking about villains and how sometimes you end up rooting for the villain um you know uh, breaking bad or uh better call Saul, no exception there but uh it's interesting who I find myself as I talk about my picks like who i'm rooting for because it can go either way um is there, like, without giving too much away for anybody who hasn't watched um, Search Party, it, do you find yourself, like, you know, rooting for somebody that is, like, a shark or maybe, like, somebody who doesn't have, like, all likable qualities? I think about that a lot, too. And for me, the framing of, like, rooting for is a tricky one to reconcile with when the hero is explicitly doing bad stuff. So for me, it's maybe less like I'm rooting for Dory and it's more like I'm just so compelled by her. Mm. I want her to win so I can keep seeing her go on this crazy path. You know what I mean? I Even feel though like-, like from a conscience moral standpoint, I would love for the more uh, good hearted people. I would love for, oh God, what's her name? Walter White's wife, Skylar. Mm-hmm. I would love for Skylar to like just obliterate him. I would love for Hank to obliterate him. But then we don't get to follow this compelling shark on their dangerous path. And that's, it, it's it's a tricky place, but I, it's mm-hmm. it's a fun, safe, tricky place to live in. Yeah. It, look, I mean, I, I feel like sharks, uh, when we really opened it out and we made it not literal sharks, uh, it really opened the floodgates for, ooh, pun intended, uh, for a shark. Yeah, a shark would go through floodgates. In my world, a shark would fl- go swimming through floodgates. But, like, I think it opened up the floodgates in terms of characters and how they operate. Because how many characters, when I when I was reading fun facts about sharks, uh, that they are lone creatures for the most time. And maybe they might work together uh for hunting but it's very rare but when i read that that they're lone predators i 
how many characters can you think of that are, you know, we just see them on this journey, you know, what seems like by themselves, like they even they're like Walter White's a great example for an honorary mention because he very much in a way is operating as a lone wolf outside of his family. And he's just trying to navigate these like crazy waters. Uh, it, it, I mean, granted, yes, he's got, you know, Jesse with him and what have you, but the things that they, the, the bad things that they do alone, I think is so interesting. And that's kind of what happens to Dory over these three seasons. Season one starts from a pretty light place. It's kind of, it's her and a very funny ensemble cast. Uh, and one of their friends but it's actually a person they hate goes missing and it (laughs) inspires them to go out and try and find her and it starts out as kind of like a fun what if uh entitled out of touch millennials had to deal with real life stakes and we see them joke together and we see her like try to be friends with them but as the stakes heighten and she realizes she kind of has a taste for blood she becomes more and more alone and she like isolates herself more and more from her friends who like become afraid of her and she really you watch her become a shark and you watch her like being a shark interesting it's it's really scary but with jokes (laughs) that's me doing the jaws music but with a ba-doom-ching at the end but then, like, Jaws did a, like, Rodney Dangerfield one-liner. <laughs> yeah, end. he's got, like, a little, like, crazy jaunty hat, you know. He's like. <laughs> I only, okay, guys, I only watched uh, Confessional Time. I only watched Jaws for the first time last week. What'd you think? I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Honestly, it's not what I expected. Did you expect it to be, like, not good? Like, cheesy or did you expect it to be better or worse? I. I, you know, in your head, I, I, I pictured Steven, I don't know, I guess I pictured later Steven Spielberg, because that's what I'm used to. And this feels very much like an early Steven Spielberg finding his footing. I think it's only like his second movie, something like that. Second or third. Yeah. And I thought there would be, uh, God, I'm full of puns today, more meat on the bone, but, um, for the movie and it's not that i disliked it it just was different than why what i imagined in my head like want more like like attacks or you wanted like more action i thought there was gonna be a bit more action to be honest with you and i feel like we didn't really get to know that shark true so i i'm like i want to know this shark's character arc uh (laughs) what do they want what is their motivation and i did not get that but uh that is maybe not what the movie is about but it's just not what i expected and also too my um my i guess i'm kind of biased too because i grew up in florida uh shark attacks all the time in fact a huge hammerhead was found uh wandering very close to the shore and i think in somewhere uh near tampa i want to say and i saw that you guys got to check out this photo like this hammerhead's freaking huge but anyway that's another thing but i grew up in florida so i lived pretty close to universal studios which uh they have a theme park uh in orlando and my with, dad, with the, the famous jaws ride yeah and there's one yeah in la there's too, one right? in california too yeah mm-hmm. and my dad at i was six years old brought me to universal studios and took me on that ride and i 
shit myself, not literally, but oh, okay. I was oh. so scared. And then when we were driving home that night, we were driving on this highway and it was going past water. And all I kept thinking was, oh my God, that shark's going to follow us home. <laughs> like, all I kept was that as a kid did you think did you think it was real or did you know that like the or did you recognize that the shark was fake and that it was like a simulation um i think part of me knew that it was just a ride like even my dad afterwards was like it's just a ride it's just a ride you're fine but like i still it still planted the seed in my head that like there's a shark out in the ocean that could do that to me and they're probably watching me and my dad right now drive home I don't know why I thought that. I couldn't tell you when I watched Jaws the movie. I remember seeing it when I was young, but I did rewatch it leading up to this. So uh, it was it was a good refresher. But I distinctly remember going on the Jaws ride or going on the tram ride in California at Universal and loving it. Like loving the whole lead up. Like I don't, I don't know back then if I think now that there's an explosion because I have been since in the last couple years, and there's like this whole like lead up into it, and like the buoy comes around, and I'm there for it as oh, someone yeah. who like doesn't do, doesn't mess around with like horror movies. I remember as a kid being like. Yes, hundred uh, percent. I I had I was not freaked out. I was excited about it. Even like in adulthood, when I did the ride again, loved it. And so I probably have a different take from Jaws and watching it recently. But uh, I remember being scared enough by it as a kid, being like, hmm, "It's not going to end up in a swimming pool, right?" Just asking for a friend. <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> I don't think it is, but someone set me straight. But I loved that ride. I thought it was amazing. Um, I I enjoyed watching Jaws again for sure. I only watched seen the other ones, but I only watched the first one recently. Well, I know Michelle, you posted uh, a scene to our Instagram at Crush Fictionally, and you posted the you know very famous scene from Jaws. You need a bigger boat. So I uh, and that's obviously a fantastic scene. I want to go back to Greg real quick and ask Greg: Is there a scene from Search Party that you were like, "Damn!" And now you don't need to give away any spoilers, but I would just love to know if there was a damn moment for you that took yeah. your breath away. Ooh. This last season, they really, they really try to put this shark in a box. Like the Ooh. world is like collapsing on her, and there is one moment where I don't think I'm giving anything away. Um, her one of the other main characters played by John Reynolds they used to date on the show and he's kind of uh an unwitting accomplice in the ongoing severity of the crimes that she's doing mm. and he like comes into their apartment late at night and it's stormy out and he's covered in rain and he's like got fire in his eyes and he like confronts her face first and he says like I need you to tell me right now that you did it because they're on trial for this murder uh, and she's trying to get them out of it. Wow. Even though they did literally do it. Mm. And she's, he's like, I need you to tell me that we did it. And she looks at him and her face just like gets a weird smile. And the thing that she says to him, which I won't say is bone chilling. And it is such a like, Ooh. this shark will do whatever it takes to keep eating. 
And it's wow. like she's past the point of no return. Ooh, it got me. Ooh, I just got goosebumps. I did that too. I did too. So I go binge a show. Yeah. Dang. I love it. I love the analogy too. I think that's really interesting. That is a great analogy. Oh. That's a great. I like that shark. That's a good shark choice, Greg. Oh, thanks. Sounds like it at least. It's just the last. I I binged through season three in like two days. I just couldn't get enough what? of it. Now is that that was a show that was originally on TBS? Yeah. Yeah, the first two were on TBS, and then they moved to uh, HBO Max. Gotcha. We're in an interesting time with television where things are starting out on like a cable network or network network channel, and then they're moving on to these streamers. It's very interesting to watch. That's not what this show is about, but I just wanted to mention that. Um, That is a fantastic shark. And what's her name again? What's this character's name? Uh, Dory. Dory. And it's played by... Aaliyah Shawkatz from uh, Arrested Development. Yes, of course. She's maybe. Aww. Yes, yes she maybe. Oh my god, that was a great show. She's great as maybe. <sighs> She's fantastic as maybe. She really she ooh, she turns the screws in this show. It's it's a it's a delightful performance. It sounds like I'm completely excited. opposite than mm-hmm. maybe cuz I think maybe is a very like shy kind of uh I don't know, maybe it's like doormat Dry. kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. Not so much on Craig's list of favorite Ooh. fictional characters. I love it. Okay, so we have we have a we had a metaphorical shark from Greg. Did anybody come in with a literal shark? Girl, you know did I anybody? did. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get into your literal shark? We could. I will give an honorable mention for my for a metaphorical shark, but I won't talk about it very long because maybe that there's like a whole nother it's maybe a whole nother episode or slight theme, and I I don't know. Maybe there's people would find this problematic. But um, Joe's character from the show You, which is also um, – which is on Netflix. And uh, there – some of the things, Greg, that you were saying about, like, somebody who goes and, like, takes it too far but then will do – whatever it takes to survive. I I will say somebody recommended this show to me. It wasn't something that I would have normally probably would have gravitated towards Um, just like stylistically. Like I kind of didn't think it was what it is, Um, but Joe is the main character. And I would say that it's, it's written it, I don't want to give anything away in case anybody hasn't watched it. I I haven't watched it. It's also on my to watch list. They're like two seasons in and it's somebody who has also, um, it's almost like this whole end, does the ends justify the means? Like if you really love someone or you're trying to like, uh, you know, in your mind better yourself, is it okay to murder somebody mm-hmm. and that whole idea of of like once you have a taste for it and it seems like i've done this and now i'm heading on this path like i'm just gonna keep going that it's it's like like a feeding frenzy or like you know there's blood in the water so to speak um but i i like the show and the way that they've done it because they do have um they do have a voiceover with the main character played by Penn Bagley and they give him some really good lines to say. And like to the point that I, it's intentional, I believe to make him relatable to the viewer. Mm. So yeah. At what point do you forgive Mm. some of these terrible things that he's doing? Because 
you're like, but he's so likable. And maybe therein lies the problem is like because he's a guy, uh, because he's a white man versus like if somebody else did it, would you feel as would you feel a different way if it was a woman, for example? Mm-hmm. Um, but I I was very entertained by the the first season and the second season. I know they're gonna come back, I think, with third. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes, because sometimes you can go far down the path and maybe who knows where it's going to end up. But I found myself actually, you know, as we talk about shark movies, like there are times where I root for the shark and, you know, there's times yes. I'm not going to lie. I root for Joe a little bit. Yeah. Um. So speaking of real sharks, I mean, <laughs> I watched a lot of stuff, but if I went back, <laughs> if I went back <laughs> To the classics, although, Kim, you'll probably disagree with me. I'm going to go with Jaws from the very first Jaws. Uh, Nicknamed Bruce. Bruce. um, Because Steven Spielberg's lawyer was named Bruce Raymar, and they had these, like, models that I read that they cost, like, $15,000 a piece to make. And then once... <laughs> Once they put him in the water, they stopped working properly, which is why in the beginning of the movie of Jaws, you don't see the monsters, which led me down this other path of watching movies where you don't actually see the monster, which can be much more terrifying. And I read about how they hook this girl up to like the girl who, sorry, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Jaws, there's a girl that gets killed in the beginning. And she. Yeah, it's like the very <laughs> first scene. It's on the poster. <laughs> If you don't know, now you know. Um, but they hooked her up to like these ropes to like like pull her underwater. And I, in watching that again recently, I was like, God, that is so terrifying. But for some reason for me in that movie, like the shark seems real. I realized that I have like this whole history from like my childhood and that ride at Universal Studios. But that shark is like real to me, even seeing it now. I don't care what you say. Michael J. Fox, Back to the Future 2. Um, <laughs> I, deep cut. Well, yeah, deep cut. Say, that's a deep cut. Yeah, right? Like totally overlap. But I I loved it. I And when I think of the other movies that I've watched that have literal sharks in them, I think in that movie – I root for that shark. I'm not rooting against him, a la Deep Blue Sea. Um, oh, funny. I rooted for the shark in Deep Blue Sea. Oh, see, and I did not. I was LL Cool J all the way. Oh, yeah. L- well, <laughs> that cast is so charismatic. <laughs> you got Cool oh. J, you got Tommy Jane, you got Samuel Jackson. Is it Renee Russo? Who's the female lead of Deep Blue Sea? It's not Renee Russo. I don't it's know. It's not, who but that she is. looks she's a good lookalike, so yeah. they, maybe yeah. they couldn't afford to get Renee Russo for that movie. <laughs> um <laughs> Ladies love Cool J, except if you're Renee Russo. She's like, I'm out, I'm not doing this movie. Um yeah. <laughs> It's funny, but side note, I was watching something recently and I couldn't tell you what it was. And the main character, the main actress from Deep Blue Z was in when I was watching. I was like, how do I know this woman? And then I had to like look it up on IMDb and I was like, I see. I, I think <laughs> uh I love I <laughs> it comes down to this. Like I it this there's this dichotomy I think of when I was thinking of like sharks that I root for versus like the people versus the shark. Um in Deep Blue Sea, I love that whole concept. They're like, look, guys, we have found the cure to Alzheimer's. We just like altered some shark grains and 
look, pharmaceutical companies, you know, cash money, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. And then I feel like, well, when you do that and then the shark becomes smarter and tries to cook you in an oven, LL Cool J, (laughs) Mm -hmm. then, I mean, I'm rooting for him because he's LL Cool J, obviously, um, but I feel like you can't be mad at it. Like, No, it's... It's a classic, that's, that's such a classic thing in like the best monster movies, even Godzilla. It's human beings shouldn't play God like that. Mm-hmm. And nature's gonna cook you in an oven and eat you up. Yeah. That's why I rooted for the shark. I mean, yeah, I love me some LL Cool J, Ovs, but like, especially when he's like, you ate my bird. <laughs> <laughs> and he throws the lighter. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, I rooted for LL Cool J in that, but I think that's why I'm like, uh, not that they were performing any like medical research on <laughs> the great white shark in Amityville, but I just felt like, look, that shark's hungry. That shark's hungry. She went swimming at night. What do you want from me? Like it, her bad, right? Uh, <laughs> her bad. She gets killed. Like writings on the wall, and then it's like fast forward twenty twenty. People are like being told to stay home and you're looking and watching Jaws and it's like, oh, stay out of the water. And still there's like the one, he's like, what, the mayor of the town? He's like, Uh, you know what though? It's time to make money and make sure people go back into the water so we could all just stay in business. And I was like, if this isn't like some overlap between what we're seeing now and Uh this movie is crazy to me. But so I was like, you get what you get, people. You should have stayed out of the water. I mean, what else do you need? A salty fisherman showing up, telling you not to do it? I mean, he did And that's that's exactly right. That's kind of how Jaws has its cake and eats it too, right? It gets to kind of indict the greedy capitalist leanings of some humans while having mm-hmm. Roy, Sh- Roy Scheider. Schneider? Scheider? Scheider. I don't know. I was going to, I don't know. Roy Schning- Going, uh, who is very Boy. sympathetic and very, <laughs> we're on first name basis. And it's like, we get to root for this one correct human. So it's like, we get both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I felt the same way. It came in like at a very close second uh, is the shark from the Meg, the Megalodon. Yeah. Meg. Love the Meg. Uh, I mean, transporter. I'd love to hear you say Megalodon, Jason Statham. I just love it. You could say it to me all day. Did I want you to get (laughs) eaten? We got to fight this Megalodon. (laughs) I have not seen the Meg, but now I need to. You should. Uh, Yeah, you know, I'm here for a wild ride. And here's my advice when it comes to shark movies. Kim and Mm. I have talked about the advice for like, taking out a villain. If there is a shark, you want to make sure that you have a hundred percent killed it. A and B (laughs) that it is the biggest shark out there, that there's no secondary or other shark or being that you haven't thought about, even though you have all this research and all these scientists at your disposal. I mean, if they hadn't done the research because they wanted to make money, it wouldn't have happened in the first place, the Megalodon getting free. Just saying. So I, in the Meg, enjoyed that movie. It was a wild ride, but I rooted for the shark in that 100%. (laughs) 
guys, is the Meg and Jaws and Search Party, are these movies and TV shows, are these all just like a metaphor for life? You know, there's always another shark out there. No, I don't think so. I think stories, <laughs> I think every story is literal. <laughs> yeah, I'm literally talking about killing sharks. No, please don't. If anyone from PETA is listening, we don't mean that. It's yeah, and- gone. Fun fact, sharks are more likely to be killed by humans than the other way around. Yeah, I believe it. Um, Also, too, did you know, fun fact, I wrote it down while we're talking about sharks. You are more more likely to get hit by a bolt of lightning than get attacked by a shark. I've heard that, yeah. Um, You are more likely to uh, get killed in a hunting accident. Oh. Then, then get attacked by a shark. Interesting. Um, and you are more likely to get attacked by a dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, than a shark. Also, I wrote those down. This is a, this is my five minute Google search that I did. You guys, <laughs> um, how come there aren't any? Are there facts. any movies about uh, rogue lightning? <laughs> Like, if you hadn't tried to harness that lightning, it wouldn't yeah. have struck you like that. It's your own Back to the Future? Is Twister the closest? Back to the Future, maybe. Then I guess oh, you, true, get into, you get into, like, but they wanted that to happen. Yeah, they, they, they did want to harness that lightning. But wouldn't it be funny if that lightning was like, yeah, fuck you, and just, like, went boom, and, yeah. like, struck another part in the ground? And maybe, honestly, maybe Doc Brown, by trying to play God and travel through time, maybe he deserved it. <gasps> yeah. Is that also, a hot take? Yes, it's a very hot take. <laughs> also, isn't it also <laughs> insane that he does not get killed? That he like go, you know, he connects these two like you know chords, and he does not get killed. All I'm gonna say is like, find you a friend like Doc Brown. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. You come back for our and other Marty. episode that features time travel. Um, yeah. but yes. We're doing a time travel episode. Get get excited. Get excited. I, I already excited. know what movie I would talk about. Oh. Ooh, I mean, I already know what I'm going to talk about, too. I do, but, too. You know, I, won't, I won't say I think everybody more. has a hot take. And all three of us are talking about the same movie. <laughs> Probably. We're all talking about the same exact character. <laughs> um, um, I will say that uh, another movie that I, I watched multiple times and feel like it is – underrated oh i did look up that i should have looked up the imdb score before i got here never look up the imdb it's, it's always, always wrong. wrong but uh there's a little movie called the shallows with blake lively i've seen that movie did you enjoy it i wanted to enjoy it so badly and you and didn't it, it did not work for me i am there for it i don't know what it is uh I I feel like it's really underrated. I feel like there's this whole element on the on the like flip side of me rooting for her against this shark and it only being her. It's like mono mono, you know, it's like one lady, one shark, shallow water and I felt like there was like a realness for me there. Like the whole time I kept thinking even though I watched it recently and knew the outcome um i was like oh yeah i i don't know what i do i probably just die on that rock 
yeah. don't know that I would do all the things that she does in the movie um, to I, to try and survive. I do appreciate how kind of stripped down and bare that movie is. It is literally just like a human being on a rock trying to survive. That is a very like visceral, what would I do kind of premise. I, it just, I wanted the filmmaking to be funner and it didn't, it didn't quite get there for me. Mm. Do we like Blake Lively's character in that movie? Did you I think so? Right. I did. I did. I mean, I, there isn't a lot that I've seen her in or a lot of fictional characters of hers that I have particularly liked. And for some reason, I liked this character a lot. I mean, I liked her, obviously, in the town. I thought that was great. I thought she was great in that. Mm-hmm. Underrated. And, yeah, yeah and she was really underrated in that. And I felt like, how does nobody like Greg, how does nobody like this movie? I was like, this is so great. They, they had this element of like, God, she's got to do everything. She's got to she's got to fight off this shark. She's got to warn these other dudes. She's yeah. got to she has nothing. She's she lost me at the stitching up her own stitches situation cuz I'd mm. be like, oh, "I'm out." But no, she's yeah, got to like, do her ah, own stitches. Yeah, and she doesn't give up. And and I like that she has to think about it too. I I always we talk about strong female characters. I th- I th- I was sold that she was really working hard at it. And I didn't, the first time seeing it, I didn't see that the end coming in, in the way that it did. So I, I will say she falls into my category of man versus shark. Blake Lively is Nancy in the shallows. She is. I, she rules Blake Lively rules. I'll say it on the record. She, um, (laughs) wow. Hot takes all over the place. She was in, one of the last movies I saw before we couldn't go to movies anymore was The Rhythm Section. Have you all seen that? Oh, no. I, no. It got like mixed reviews, no? Everyone hated it. And <laughs> oh, I, that was my nice way of saying that I yeah. saw really bad things written yeah. about it. <laughs> I loved it. I ate it up. She was so she was so like stripped down and raw in it. There's that element of survivalism in it. And one of the nicest moments I've ever had at a movie theater. Sorry for this uh, tangent, but... It's uh, never a tangent. Mm-mm. I went up at one point to go to the bathroom, and when I sat back down, the stranger who was sitting next to me, unprompted, whispered into my ear what I had missed. Oh, and I was that like, is really sweet. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. You have some good karma racked up, Greg. I mean... <laughs> that is really sweet. That is she was the, the best. It was thing. great. Yeah. Oh. I mean... I. I isn't that nice when you're in a movie theater and you feel like you're like, okay, even if you don't know the people around you, there's something about being in a movie theater that there's like this weird camaraderie. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're here to support a thing. Some of the best times I've ever had have been in a movie theater with wild and crazy audiences. You know, when you feel everybody's just alive and they're yeah. like here for that movie. It's the best. Um, I had that feeling when I went to go see the Simpsons movie. Laugh now. I don't care. It, it Everybody had a great old time watching yeah. that movie. We were, we, everybody was riding high watching the Simpsons opening weekend. Um, and then a similar thing happened to me when I went to go see Inside Out, which is one of my favorite movies. One of my period. Period. I and, love that movie. Oh my God. That movie. I was 
sobbing mm-hmm. so hard. Like, not if crying. You don't, if you don't cry or sob at Bing Bong, then yeah. are you human? Oh, oh, Bing, you know the moment with Bing Bong. I won't spoil it for anybody, but that yeah. moment, the uh, you know, our last moments with Bing Bong, like, you, I was sobbing. Yeah. I get emo just thinking about it. And so, anyway, I'm sobbing in the theater, clearly. I'm also an ugly crier, so... The guy, the movie theater was packed. So there was an older man sat next to me. He must have been like his 60s or 70s. And I'm there with James and my boyfriend's stone cold. He doesn't cry for anything. Whereas me, I'm like, a Clorox commercial. What? You know what I mean? I'm crying. And so James is stone cold. And the guy, he must have sensed, well, this man's never going to comfort Kim uh, or comfort <laughs> this woman. And so... <laughs> movie he like leans over and he like very kindly like says to me i cried too that's so sweet sweet. that's so sweet he's like that you're not the only one that cried i cried too (laughs) i'll never forget that moment where are you man i would love to shake your hand this day to this day um but yeah my eyes were swollen i couldn't even make out who this man was talking you know that's how much i was crying Oh, I love that. Not that you were crying, but I love that he was so like generous I cried too. Yeah, I yeah. saw that movie uh, in a theater full of kids. I think I was, <laughs> and I was like, I go to see movies by myself a lot, and I was alone. And I remember making the decision to not cry in front of those kids because I thought it would be weird. <laughs> no. So I like right, got up and right. I very stiffly like went to the parking lot and I closed my door and I just. <laughs> Kaboom. <laughs> but I had to protect those kids. Greg, that kids. would have been a really nice moment to teach those kids about how a man can express his emotions in a healthy way uh, amongst little children. I disagree. <laughs> Men should keep it up. Just hold it in and shove it down and bottle up your feelings. I will say that the last time I think Kim and I in a, this has happened multiple times, but but one of the times, last times that Kim and I saw a movie, we saw we saw Toy was it Toy Story four oh, also yeah. with a bunch of kids tearjerker um, for sure, and there were parts that were very sentimental <laughs> and sweet, but there were also parts that had us laughing so hard. That we were like, it was a packed theater and it was like crickets. It was silent other than the movie. And Kim and I are laughing so hard that one of my favorite things that Kim has ever done, she turns to me and in like a stage whisper goes, is nobody else watching this movie? (laughs) (laughs) I'm already crying laughing. Which made me laugh harder. And like, I feel like all the parents were looking at us like, why are you trying to ruin this movie? like why are you trying to ruin your children this is so funny stuff if they're if you're not encouraging them to laugh i can't help them in life like i just see a cute going hold on we really have to paint this picture for a moment we really have to paint this picture for a moment this theater's packed right (laughs) packed (laughs) and it's packed and of course there's a bunch of kids there i love that you just wanted you were mad that they weren't <laughs> joyful enough? <laughs> I love that. 
packed with kids. And, like, I think it was because the kids were a little bit young. The jokes were going over their head. And then, of course, I'm there with James, who's always stone cold. He doesn't laugh or cry or do anything. (laughs) So he sat next to me. I'm sat in between him and Michelle. (laughs) <laughs> and, and man, Michelle and I are like laughing. It's like our voices are echoing <laughs> in this theater because it's just us two laughing. And like, I go, and like the I turn cackling laugh, like cackling <laughs> so hard and then like hitting each other. Like, oh I'm, yeah, like we're just like slapping each other. And then I finally turn to her and I'm like, hello, is this thing on? <laughs> like a vaudeville comedian. <laughs> Yeah, that's my running joke uh, is, hello, is this thing on? Are you watching this movie? Are we watching the same movie as everybody else? Hello. I love that. That's so funny. Uh, But anyway, now we know that the three of us should probably go to movies together because we We can openly cry and laugh and support each other. Cry, laugh, Like you, Kim, I cry at literally everything I see. And my, my girlfriend is like stone faced it's it's fun <laughs> i think like that's how relationships have to work right there's like the one who's like an emotional wreck and then the other one who's just like i don't know how to help you um i, I walk through the world emotionless uh <laughs> i don't know how to help you talk to that stranger over on your right <laughs> yeah that old man over there said he just cried <laughs> so why don't, don't you two have a conversation uh yeah. <laughs> back to shark week um I any parting uh, any other thoughts that you want to throw out around Jaws? I do want to touch base about this whole Jaws. Now, here's the thing: watching Jaws in this climate, this social climate, was I literally was like, "Holy, holy balls! This is America. Amityville is America. This is a huge metaphor, right? Amityville is America. The shark is coronavirus. The mayor is Trump. Um, and, and I would say the mayor is." Eric Garcetti, mayor of Los Angeles, opening restaurants way too soon. Profits, right? <laughs> yeah. Any any politician driven by profits over people, yeah. right? Mayor. And then, um, uh, oh, and then Dr. Fauci is, uh, what's his face? Um, Matt Hooper. Hooper's character. The scientist guy. Uh, who's Dreyfus? Like, Hello? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Who's like, guys, <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, this is a big old shark. It's a great white. Uh, and like, you know, we've got a virus. And what are we doing? It is America. Jaws I can't is wait. America. I can't wait till we're out of this dang pandemic and we can all like trade our scars the way they traded their scars on that boat of just like, yeah. I got this emotional scar month three of the quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> After three months of straight binge watching and ordering uh, takeout via DoorDash, um, yeah, very different scars, very bougie scars, mm-hmm. probably, um, but still scars, still scars. Which is a great um, scene when they're talking about the scars. It's that they so have. good, uh, <clears throat> and the the actual like the idea that um, that he was actually on the Indianapolis ship that went down and like was like the biggest shark attack in history like i love that that was like weaved into the story just as like an antidote okay is this uh is this uh okay let me uh one of the things that i say whenever i watch any movie whatever movie it is especially if it's well 
only if it's a period piece, because otherwise it wouldn't make sense. If I'm watching a period piece movie, whether it's an old movie or an actual period piece movie like Made Today, but it was supposed to be in the 50s or Made Today and it's supposed to be in, I don't know, Victorian era. I, no matter what amount of money they say, $10,000, 5,000 pounds, I'll always scream out, that's a lot of money for that time. <laughs> <laughs> However, I did not do that watching Jaws when Fisherman, man, Crazy Fisherman guy shows up and he's like, I want $10,000 <laughs> and I will kill your shark. And you're like, that's it? That was the first time you you will ever see me go, that's it? That you wanted time. him to be like a better negotiator. He's like yeah. low-key the worst negotiator. He's like, I will do it for $20. You're like, no, dude, no. Exactly. Like, don't negotiate yeah. down. <laughs> exactly. You're like, also, too, like they turned down your first offer. So make sure you get more out of them this time. You know, like uh, now the about pressure's when on. What about when you're watching like a Star Wars or a future period piece where they're like, I'll give you 70 space credits to take out Darth Maul. Are you like, that's a lot of space credits for that time? <laughs> no, my thought process is, dang, I wish I knew how that converted so I can comment about whether that's enough money or not. <laughs> I'm sure if you search long enough, there's some guy out there yes. who created a yes. converter calculator for space credits to dollars. Yes. It's like, do you, oh, I'm sorry. Did you want space credits to dollars or Bitcoin pesos? You just tell me what you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I only, I only want cryptocurrency. Um, good luck, guy. Good luck. Well, I have. Um, I know we were talking about like emotional, getting emotional at like movies, and I actually picked a my number one character started off as one thing. And <laughs> like a shark attack, it turned into something else. But it was Ooh. something that got me pretty emotional. And I chose it. I thought it was like a really like basic choice. Like I was kept thinking, is this, am I going to come on and this is going to be like the tall vanilla latte choice of like characters um, <laughs> being like really like obvious. But I chose it because I forgot that there was like a shark element to it. And then I went like back and wanted to like – reanalyze the characters but i felt like i got like really emotional about the characters in it so i uh i started off with my fictional crush being bill murray's steve zizu and the life aquatic was yes. steve zizu yes i love that movie which i love that movie i won't go i mean i feel like if like there are people who are like hardcore Wes Anderson fanatics. I love the Wes Anderson movies. Um, so I won't go off on that too much, but I feel like this, speaking of uh, <laughs> underrated movies, like Lively the Shallows, I feel like this is one of his more underrated, uh, maybe I unpopular. I, I know it didn't do well, like financially in the scope of like all the movies that he's done, but I think this, Dare I say, this might be my favorite movie because uh, of all of the fictional characters in it, not just Bill Murray. I mean, he is a national treasure. Um, but I love the – I just love it. It's so full of content and, like, funny lines. Like, there's this one – 
part in the movie where he, they're like stealing the equipment and he, and Bill Murray's carrying this huge like espresso machine. It's like heavy and he hands it to an intern and he's like, take this and make me a latte. And I don't know why, like I laugh hard yeah. every single time, even though I know that bit. But I just, I really love that movie. Um, what I think is interesting about, and maybe this is like, was initially what drew me to this character was that He's not necessarily a likable guy. He has like he's a watchable fictional character, but he has a lot of terrible, awful qualities. Um, but as I was watching, I was like, maybe this resonates with me during the pandemic because he is kind of at this crossroads in his in his life. <laughs> not that I'm at a crossroads in my life, but that he's dealing with like grief and loss and. And trying to move forward with it, but I think in a really humanistic way. But he's a little bit arrogant and pompous, and try and can't really sort through it properly. So he doesn't treat everyone all that that nicely. But you can see like this underlying like anxiety or like fear that he has about like what it means to be like um, to deal with like grief and loss and then to be getting older and like people calling him like a hack and him questioning, am I a hack or am I just like losing my mojo or like, what's the deal? And what does it really mean to be like successful? So like I was watching it and I was like, God, I just, there's no other actor for me that I could see in that role, which was partially written with him in mind, but I apparently, um, but I, I just love that movie so much and I love the fictional characters in it. I mean, shout out to uh Angelica Houston who plays Eleanor treasure. his wife. Treasure. Ugh. Every role, treasure. Ugh, every time, right? Every time. She's so good that I almost came in but the, and said her and then I was like, "Oh, I don't know." But, you know, she doesn't have a lot of like um screen time in this movie but every time you see her it's like brand new and then William Defoe which is like I could go off on how great I think he is and he's god bless so that He's so funny in that movie. Uh, he's so funny. He is like the ultimate scene stealer in that movie. He steals he's just part of the ensemble cast but he steals every single scene. He's got some really great like one-liners or like one word that just kill every time so I, that i just watched that movie got me really emotional towards the end um yeah. just thinking about it and i kind of did a pivot turn because i was like well we are talking about fictional crushes and for me ned plimpton played by owen wilson is like my heart of hearts in this movie i think this might be this might be my favorite Owen Wilson character. I'm just going to I'm going to say it. My favorite Owen Wilson character. I was there for it. I think I guess I'll just go ahead and put him in the number 1 spot since Bill Murray seems too obvious and at some point I believe we'll talk about Bill Murray again so it's not like he needs a little extra love. But I just thought, you know, he's also dealing with loss and trying to like find himself and find like a family, like a chosen, kind of like a chosen family, so to speak. And I like that he is so sweet and vulnerable, but not a pushover in this. And I feel, and again, it's totally one of those ones that I think if you kind of weren't paying attention, you'll miss like the strength in his character, but ugh, I'm there for it. That accent that apparently they just, 
it was kind of speaking of improv, kind of like improved right into the story. So I'm there for it. That movie gets me. I mean, there's Filipino pirates. If you haven't seen it, need I say more? Played oh. by actual Filipinos. Oh. Um, so you know I love it extra. <laughs> but um, yeah, Ned is, I think Ned's my number one, you guys, with a very close seconds, followed by Steve Zizu. I love that. I got to be honest with you. I saw The Life Aquatic maybe when I was in college one time. I don't think I've seen it since. I feel like if you watched it, you would now you would enjoy it. There is a I probably would. There's a jaguar shark, which is not a real shark. Um, but I love. I think I think anybody would really enjoy it if you you know if you like witty writing and this. It's a little. It's quite the opposite of like a Jaws or a Meg or the Shallows. It's it's very like. <laughs> I would hope so. It's very like. Um, bright and kind of uh like fantasy driven yeah Yeah. west anderson driven but i i I still love the artistic like scenery and colors and everything so it's a little bit lighter um but all there's sharks involved there is a shark attack oh sweet little esteban but yes i would say ned and ned plimpton i mean even with that name i'm still there for it oh yeah, because you know, Michelle Plimpton. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no bueno. Sure. Well, Greg, I don't know if you you ever think about this, but women, we tend to think about like, oh, if I marry that man, I think about, oh, I would inherit their last name. It is obviously probably a very female uh, thing. Well, I swear to God, I'm fem- I'm more feminist than I'm sounding, but I still do this where I'm like, oh, yeah, like I would probably have to inherit this person's name at some point and I will immediately go. Kimberly Plimpton? <laughs> Plimpton? Mm. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Kim Plimpton is kind of fun to say. <laughs> it <laughs> is. It, I think because of the syllables there. Yeah, the yeah. essence. Yeah, oh, Michelle, God, it doesn't that. work for. Oh, I don't but like that's it. That's all right. He's, so, he's such a sweet character. I'm sure you could convince him to take your last name. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, can we just be like uh, Zoe Saldana and her partner? Because her, her partner took her last name when they got married. Nice. Would you do that, Greg? He, as a guy? So if like um, either your girlfriend or your like your lady had a really great last name. Yeah. I yeah. I that would at the moment make me not at the moment, forever. Cut that out. That would make me <laughs> uh that would make me Greg Seymour, which is oh, a cool name. Oh, which is a I very like cool name. That's a good last name. Yeah. Seymour. I'm pretty into though. I, I think I lean toward just everyone keep their, everyone keep your name. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why do we need to do that? Um, I get like children and blah, blah, blah. It gets kind of complicated, but um, uh, Plimpton. Yeah. That's not the greatest last name. I agree with you on that one, Michelle. But that's okay. I'd like, I, I recognize even Ned. You're like, ooh, that's a. Sorry if there are any Neds listening. This is kind of a tough one. Just saying. Um, There's a and this person comes- named Ned Plimpton listening. <laughs> and he's like, damn you jerks. Um, and for a long time, I hated my la- my last name. But I have uh, – it took me it, my childhood and, like, teenage years to really love it. Um, so mm, I get it. Same. But I – I get that. But Ned's character, you know, as fictional as it is, I love it so much I will forgive – 
the last name Plimpton. I'll just stay Veray. It's totally fine. Mm -hmm. It's fine. It's fine. We've gone this Um, whole time talking about Filipino pirates and jaguar sharks. (laughs) And Kim, you still have not (laughs) bing bong. (laughs) I love bing bong. Uh, Okay, I'll get right into it. Guys, I'm com- I'm coming in with a I'm pulling one out of the vault, baby. It's I'm gonna paint a picture. It's 1992, okay? It's a Robert Zemeckis film starring the incomparable Meryl Streep, the wonderful oh. Goldie Hawn, mm. and the surprisingly charactery Bruce Willis. This film is called Death Becomes Her, and I would be remiss if I did not highlight these two shark ladies, uh, (laughs) Madeline, Madeline Ashton and Helen Sharp. They are the sharkiest of sharks, and I... I forgot how much I love this movie. I was cruising, cruising through HBO Max, and trying to find a film and, you know, just browsing around as normally we do instead of actually watching anything. And I came across Death Becomes Her and I was like, oh, dang, I haven't seen this movie in like maybe 15 years, probably longer. And honest to God, I don't even know why I watch this movie, but I definitely watch this movie as a kid. I feel like it was one of those videos I picked up at the library and watched a thousand times. (laughs) And then my parents were like, what are you watching? Uh, there's a lot of nudity in that movie. <laughs> but anyway. Does Bruce Willis show any 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 Willis butt? No, no Willis butt. But here's what I'm going to say about Bruce Willis, though. He's not a shark in that movie. He's definitely the chum. Mm-hmm. But Bruce Willis is a fantastic character actor in that film. Fantastic. He plays this total pushover. He's so good to a point where I remember being older and watching that movie and then finally making the connection that that was Bruce Willis who played this character. And I was like, oh my God, that was Bruce Willis because I think we're kind of used to seeing him in a certain way, right? Like very manly, masculine, confident, in charge type dude, you know, yippee kaye, mofo, like that kind of that kind of uh vibe off of him. And he plays a super pushover nerd. It is fantastic to witness. So I, this movie's got it all for me. It's got these two women who I think it's a <laughs> look, here's the thing I'm gonna say. I'm trying to look at this with my feminist hat on. No, it definitely is not going to pass the Bechdel cast. Uh, sorry, Bechdel test. Bechdel cast is another great podcast. It is not going to yes, it is. pass the Bechdel test. But I think it's ultimately a movie about these two women and how society treats aging women like such freaking garbage. And it teaches them to hate themselves and to turn against each other for the love and affection of a man when really... It's not even about that. It's not even about the love and affection of said man. It's actually what ultimately happens. Spoiler alert. Hit pause and go watch Death Becomes Her on HBO Max before listening to the rest of this. But um, <laughs> welcome back. Um, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. It's only an hour and 44. It's totally fine to get through. So uh, it's ultimately about these two women realizing that 
they were so cruel to each other and they and they ultimately they wanted each other's approval to me that's what this movie's about and they ultimately turn on him and uh not even necessarily turn on him they they actually kind of like shove him off to the side uh and uh and become this like uh, like I don't know, like sisterly care, uh, duo that kind of have to rely on each other. And oh, I won't I give that. that away that they have to rely on each other going forward. Um, but that to me, these two women, they smell, they, they can smell that blood in the water. I would say that Meryl Streep, her character from the get go, again, this is a very different character for her too. I think, I think it's fantastic to witness her be this like vain, um desperate woman it is fantastic and so she kind of has this uh you know just to give you a little bit of background she's like this aging actress and um is very uh, obviously values herself based on her appearance she is frenemies with goldie hahn's character and goldie hahn like she's this like meek and it was like uh, everybody kind of played unexpected characters to be quite honest with you because goldie hahn comes in and we know goldie hahn in her heyday hottie boombalati right You're, everybody's just like swinging, she's still you know. a hottie boombalati man right totally her but and like, kurt russell I'm, are like my favorite celebrity couple oh how can same you, greg get like, out of my brain come on <laughs> Like, I mean, you see those two and you're like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So, like, I'd like to see them kiss. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> I think that'd be fun. Apparently, her Instagram is like hot fire. Like, Ooh. I've I've heard that. I don't follow her on Instagram. Maybe crush fictionally. Maybe we should. But we should. I, we I heard we she does like dance videos. So maybe Greg, if you turn in, tune into her Instagram, maybe she'll you be might kissing. Catch a kiss. <laughs> I might catch a little Russell smooch. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> but like Goldie Hawn, right? You picture her. She's like hottie boombalati. She's playing like these like it girl roles, right? And then in this movie, you see her for the first time on screen, and you're like, that's Goldie Hawn. She's so meek. She has a terrible haircut. You know, she's just Dressed in like very like you know uh, stereotypic like uh, librarian type clothes, very conservative, and you find out that she and Meryl Streep's characters are frenemies, and you know she's at the time about to marry Bruce Willis, and Bruce Willis is like enamored with Meryl Streep's character. Like they go to see one of her Broadway shows, and he's just like salivating at the mouth watching Meryl Streep dance around on stage. Me too, me too. Um, but uh, it is glorious. I think this movie is so funny. I think it's so witty. Uh, it definitely, surely probably has like problematic themes in a lot of ways, but I can pull out, I think, for the 30,000 view and see and see it from my viewpoint, which is ultimately this world is terrible to women terrible to aging women makes women value themselves based on their looks. And I love how it's just a, I think a huge commentary about how terrible that is and what we do to women and what women then turn into. They turn into these monsters or these sharks hunting each other, which is crazy to think that, um, that uh i know we talked fun facts about sharks but sharks obviously don't hunt each other they're hunting uh you know weaker prey but these women were ultimately turning against each other and but then 
joined forces by the end. So those are my sharks. I love that. I love that. Is it the killer whale that don't they attack their prey together? I, yes, like they have like a yes. strategy and they do mm-hmm. it as like a pod. So, you know, they went from sharks to, I guess, killer whales. See ya, Bruce Willis. Well, apparently, according to my fun facts that I've read about sharks for five minutes, uh, sharks sometimes in certain occasions will work together. And I think this death becomes her is that is that is these women, uh, for whatever reason, deciding, well, we I won't give it away, but like deciding that they need to work together because they have to work together um, because there's no one else like them in their ocean. And I'm going to leave it at that. I love that arc. And that's a movie. I love Zemeckis. I love horror comedies. That's a movie I I remember as a kid walking by at Blockbuster all the time. And the cover has like a candle through her stomach or something like that. It's great. Oh, the poster's fantastic. That's, I'm going to have to finally watch that. Rewatch. Oh yeah. You haven't watched it. Oh my God. Highly recommend. Watch it tonight. Great Friday night flick. Mm -hmm. Um, It is I think so funny. I it's a delight from end to end, and maybe I'm biased, but I have really enjoyed all these actors in this movie. Um, there's some like great cameos in it. Uh, I'm trying to remember. There, <laughs> funny enough, in the trailer, Tracy Ullman is in the is in the trailer. She was supposed to be a heavy part in the movie, but when they went to go test it with audiences. Uh, audiences were like, oh, we don't care for Tracy Ullman's character. Hmm. So they completely edited were they her crazy? out. Crazy? Were the audience out of their minds? Were they watch- are you watching the same movie we are? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> are Hello? You watching- Is, Is this, this thing, thing on? on? Tap, tap, tap. My God. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Tracy Ullman was supposed to be in this movie. She was in this movie. They edited her out and they changed the ending because uh, apparently audiences wanted a darker ending for this very dark movie. That's rare. I feel like it's always the opposite. Yeah. Although yeah. I do love a tragic ending. I mean, I will say. I do love a tragic ending. Even <laughs> <laughs> like if everybody's dead at the end, I'm like, oh, but... <laughs> That's we good. had a good run. <laughs> <laughs> so Meryl Streep, I mean, all hail the queen of I mean, acting. Yeah. Would either of you say that Meryl Streep is the female Tom Hanks? Can do anything. Ooh, I would say Tom Hanks is the male Meryl Streep. I think, yeah, if you really put... Meryl Streep's a better actor than Tom Hanks, I think. I I gotta be honest with you. I agree with I I love I love Tom Hanks. Everybody who's listened to the first three episodes of our podcast knows that how much Michelle and I love Tom Hanks. <laughs> he's he's incredible. Mm-hmm. We love him, but I would say that Meryl Streep is a she's got a wider spectrum. Yeah, she like when I watch a Meryl Streep movie, she I watch her playing that character. Whereas yeah. when I'm watching a Tom Hanks movie, maybe with the Mr. Rogers movie as an exception, mm-hmm. I'm always aware that it's Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? Mm. I feel like with oh, Streep, I, she oh, like... Oh, see, and for me with Tom Hanks, but I think for me, like, um, dare I say, they're uh, on equal footing to me. Like, I feel like you don't see them act. Like, uh, 
in that, like, I don't know if I said it about Bill Murray and the life aquatic, but like you, I believe them to be that character that they're playing. Like I don't, there are some actors who I will not name who I feel like they're just (laughs) reading the script. Like they're reading the script that someone gave them. They're not actually like living it. And, and so I feel like, I feel like for me, they're on equal footing. I don't think I feel like I ever see them act in any way. I feel them to be that character, whatever it is that they're playing. Yeah, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't agree with Greg on that part. Like Tom Hanks, I feel like I, I don't see him uh, act. I'm, I'm like, oh, like Forrest Gump, for example, as much as everybody wants to hate on Forrest Gump, you, man, you watch that movie and you're like, nope, that's Forrest Gump. Like that, he transforms for that movie and I am here for it. Like, I mean, it is I'm ugh, God, I could go on and on about Forrest Gump. We don't need to do that. Um, but I would say the only thing I would say is that I feel like Meryl Streep has more tricks up her sleeve mm. um when it comes to the craft than Tom Hanks. That's my that's my take. Because it's I feel or maybe and or maybe it's that Tom Hanks, you know, doesn't want to do more charactery driven type stuff. And Meryl Streep is obviously drawn to that stuff, and we haven't even just we just haven't seen Tom Hanks do that. Do, you know, maybe more spectrum on the opposite sides of the spectrum characters, but um, that's all I will say about that. But I mean, God, you you've got to hand it to Meryl Streep, the, like the woman. Even in this movie, I'm just like she. You look at this character and you're like, oh yeah, this is a two dimensional character off, you know, off face value. And then you're like, no, even she made this like what seems to be a 2D character so dimensional. It's fantastic. She's fantastic. And I will always bow down to Meryl Streep. In fact, we have to do it. We need to do an episode on Meryl Streep that I believe is on our bucket list for episodes. And we will. We will. We have a lot to choose from. She's, She's so amazing. Good. She's amazing. She's fantastic. Also, we talked a little bit about Back to the Future earlier, and apparently Robert Zemeckis is nerdy enough that he put an homage to Back to the Future within Death Becomes Her, and it's a very deep cut. At one point, um, the the actual day that the that uh, Meryl Streep does this very pivotal action, Griggs gonna watch this movie, so I won't say anything. Mm. Uh, does this very pivotal action is on the day that they uh, that uh, Marty leaves uh, the present, October twenty sixth, nineteen eighty five, uh, and it's very so that's a that's a very I didn't notice that while watching it, and I'm huge Back to the Future nerd, but apparently that was in. That was in the movie. I love that. Love a yeah. share, love a director implying that all of their movies take place in the same universe. Always love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love Robert Zemeckis. And I like the overlap. I feel like there are certain things that I watched as preparing for Shark Week in this podcast that there's definitely like callbacks to different movies that like overlap. Like I feel like Jaws was one of the like original, like was one of the first with the whole like you don't see the monster and then you see that in other movies where there is like some monster or some threat and it's scarier not to see it than then versus when you see it. And sometimes when you see it, it makes it worse. I'm Night Shyamalan, you know what I'm saying? But Ooh. I feel like only one time, one time it 
like he did that. You're not talking nuts. shade on the signs aliens, are you? <laughs> maybe I am. Ooh. And maybe oh. I am. I think everybody's too hard on M. Night Shyamalan. I love oh. M. Night Shyamalan. I Me do, too. I do enjoy him. I just, I feel like that whole idea of like sometimes not seeing mm-hmm. something is, it's like the devil that you know versus the devil that you don't. Like the whole like underwater shot of like feet dangling and you add some scary music and all of a sudden it's terrifying versus if you see Bruce through the water, it has to be at a certain angle for it to appear real or for it to seem like it's actually happening. And I feel like even now with the advancement of CGI, it's like some of it can look a little bit even kind of fakey that way. But I feel like I watched so many movies and they would all like call back to something else. Like a lot of things that I watched like called back to like – to Jaws, um, you know, and watching, you watch Back to the Future 2 and he mentions Jaws and how it's like kind of played out and the shark is fake. And then even in um, uh, Finding Nemo, like the callback to yeah, 20,000 yeah. Leagues Under the Sea and Moby Dick. Also, the shark is named Bruce in yes, Finding Nemo. Yes, yeah. oh, you read my mind. And I read that they named that him Bruce on purpose. And there's like... <laughs> Three different sharks for a reason. Like I lo- and I talked about Bruce Willis, <laughs> and you talked about Bruce Willis. And I don't know if we were talking, if we were recording, we were talking about The Shining. But then when there's blood in the water in Finding Nemo, Bruce, the animated shark, smells the blood, and he goes full The Shining, and he like bust through the wall and goes like (laughs) here's brucey like i just feel like there was there were so many callbacks and then you get to like the part where they're in the fish tank in the dentist office and they do this whole oceans 11 bit like you know with like talking about how they're gonna bust out and i was like wow like you could like i did watch Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea which um i don't know how i don't know how I feel about it. Uh, it's like some of it Not is good. slightly slightly problematic, but you will see um, a very young Douglas, like with an earring. So there's that. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. He's <laughs> he's been hitting the gym whenever this movie came out. Um, yeah, so I'm not mad at that either. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting, and it kind of has that idea of. Uh, of not of assuming what something is a monster but is not and then and i i will say that as much as there were things that i probably didn't love about that movie i give full credit to when it was shot and how old of a movie it is and the monster that they do show i was like if i was like back in the day watching that i don't know that i would be scared but it would seem fairly real because it was like they were doing live action before we were like live action on tv of a reboot so um yeah i love the the overlap and i always feel like somebody calls back to to jaws in some way whether it's like a line or like the buoy or something that is that same element or trying to capture that same music for the suspense you know what? Um, I watched, obviously, Jaws and Deep Blue Sea in the same week. Both of them have sharks that swallow license plates. Why does this happen? Why on earth would a shark swallow a license plate? And why on earth is a license plate in the ocean? I guess it's kind of a commentary <laughs> on like nature 
taking over man's industrialized, modernized, like we think we're the kings because we can make cars that travel us places. And the sharks are like, nah, we're going to eat you up. Everything about you. I like that you nope, turned, turned it into that analogy. I thought it was I thought it was based on fact. I thought it's based on fact because sharks can eat anything. And so if they cut open a shark, I feel like there's maybe some like deep-rooted fact there of things that are I found mean, in like that something like that something is found that a shark has eaten and it's outrageous. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, was it crazy to think that a shark would eat something outrageous and that we pollute our oceans? No, of course not. Um, but I I was like, "What? What is with all these license plates?" Like Deep Blue Sea had one. Jaws had one, and I. Well, then it made me think, oh, well, maybe it was just a callback to Jaws, and they were like, ah, look at us, you know, we've got a license plate in here as well. But I don't know why the license plate threw me off. It is a oh. strange motif. <laughs> like, what, why? What's up with all these license plates? Uh, can I just give a quick shout out to some sharks that I think uh, deserve calling out? We obviously already called out Bruce from Finding Nemo, which I think is probably one of the sweetest, cutest like story arcs for a shark. Y'all remember Street Sharks, the cartoon? It was going to be an honorable mention. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I do not know Street Sharks, the cartoon. <laughs> what am I Street missing? Street Sharks rule. <laughs> that was a very... I watched literally anything on television. I did not have cable growing up. So if it was on, I watched it. Uh, Street Sharks was one of them. Um, and the other, the last one is not a fictional show, but part, I'm sure part of it has some fiction in it, but y'all know how much I love Shark Tank. I love me some poor people going in there being like, can you invest in my product, please? Mark Cuban and Lori Grenier. Um, I'm here for Shark Tank. Shark Tank is so fun. It's I love so it so great. Do <laughs> you it. have a favorite shark? I got to be honest with you, and you're, you guys are going to be like, what the hell's wrong with you? I love Mr. Wonderful, yeah. Kevin. I think, okay, I think he's tells one of those like guys. Tells it like it is. He tells it like it he's is. He's like the ultimate shark. He's takes, he takes no prisoners. He takes no, you takes no. You know, sure. if that man's backing you, he's only backing you because he 100% knows that he's going to make money off of you. And I'm just like, I'm here for that. I'm here for a man who's like, I'm only going to invest my money. In, and uh, th- I mean, he. I feel like I want to be more like Mr. Wonderful in my own life and the way I do business because he's just so brutally honest. And I, I don't want to be brutally honest, but I want to be more frank with people. And I try to take a page out of his book because he has this phrase, which is uh, definitely not um, the the nicest phrase in the world. But if someone brings in what he thinks is a crap product or a crap service or whatever, he will say, do me a favor, take this thing in the backyard and shoot it. (laughs) 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 And I'm like, I shouldn't laugh so hard. But like part of me, part of I think living life and making decisions and being a grown up is having hopefully that angel in your life or that shark that uh, maybe, you know, to the the naked eye is seen as this vicious creature, but really they're doing you a favor and they're actually uh, helping you out. But I, I like this idea of someone who's like, I'm going to be brutally honest with you and save you a lot of time because you're about to lose a lot of money, a lot of dignity, or a lot of, you know, whatever. So just stay away from this thing. I would highly recommend that you not do that. Now, is Mr. Wonderful always right? I have no idea. Um, 
But I, I would like to hope that I'm that person to someone one day where I'm like, take this thing into the backyard and shoot it. Uh, because I think, I think that's one of the biggest kindnesses you can do for someone yeah. is tell them to not do something. We, uh, we, we all need a little tough love like that. I, I always yeah. appreciate that kind of honesty. Uh, yeah, I agree. Anybody else a fan of Shark Tank or have a better or have a different shark that they like? Mm, Mark Cuban. Greg, your favorite shark. Go. Uh, also, Mr. Wonderful. The Laura is probably a second. I, they're all really fun, but Mr. Wonderful. Yeah. Yes. He's good. All right. Why, why do you like Mark Cuban, Michelle? Oh, I just like him. I think he's very, like, watchable to me. Um, I feel like he he's maybe, like, a little bit gentler than Mr. Wonderful. There's times when I really appreciate Mr. Wonderful and I find him funny, but sometimes he hits him with the zinger. I'm like, ooh, did that grandma really need a slap in the <laughs> yeah. face? Maybe yeah. not today. Um, so I feel like uh, Mark's, like, the kind – he's, like, the Diet Coke, you know, of the situation. Or the, he's the Mr. Wonderful light. Um and I like him um, uh, just just in general. So I enjoy watching him on the show. And he, he'll he sometimes give them tough advice and be like, yo, it's not going to work. Uh, mm. And so I'm out. And I, and I like that. So I like him a lot. And I feel like I've bought things that he has funded. Oh, invested in. Yeah. yeah, that he's invested in. So I'm, I'm all about it. Um, okay, Greg, why do you like Mr. Wonderful? Anything different than I've... Than my than my take. He's just so he's such a compelling. He's such a compelling v- villain is the wrong word, but because he is so like, he has such high standards and he's so cutting with his remarks. It's kind of like um, uh, what's his name? Paul Hollywood on the Great, great British Bake Off. Yes. When he <laughs> That's does a great similarity. When he does offer that handshake, it's like. A huge deal. Yeah, you're like, oh man, I got this man's approval yeah. and respect. Yeah, that's a so there's that. like a built-in sort of emotional arc that I appreciate about him. <laughs> I love this, and you know where he stands too, right? Like he's exactly. not gonna like he's not going to like phone it in. He's not going to be fake about it. And I think there's a lot to be said for people being honest and and truthful. Exactly. Ooh. I had a fantastic time talking about sharks. Did you guys have... Greg, did you have a good time? This was so much fun. Have me back anytime. I love talking about this kind of stuff. And y'all are so (laughs) wonderful. Aw, thank you. It's been great talking to you again, Greg. Uh, We saw... Fun fact, Michelle. Greg and I and our improv team went to go see Palm Springs by mistake at the drive-in movie theater. Mm. We were supposed to see... What what were you supposed to see? We were supposed to be, uh, God, we were supposed to see Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse oh. and they shooed us into another movie. Oh, I see. It was very complicated. And we had, I had literally just watched Palm Springs. <laughs> oh, so, so you to got see to see it, it twice. So to see it again, if you don't know the premise of Palm Springs, was oddly appropriate. It is appropriate. And also a great movie. Hopefully you took something out from it the second I did. second time around. Yeah. <laughs> in the replay mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like yeah uh shitty audio and shitty uh, yeah. uh projection uh, i had because to text that's exactly you what- i had to text you what was going on at yeah. one moment because we literally couldn't see it and i was like this is what's happening it's an important part i have to tell you <laughs> well i was sitting there squinting i was like what is that because the projections michelle were so bad mm. 
I thought it, I was looking at mountains at one point, you know, you know, you've Michelle seen the movie. So there's, you know, when they are high and they're looking at out into the sky and they see something and I won't say what it is. I'm like, what the heck is that? And luckily Greg's an angel and he texted, he texted the group and was well, like, I, this is what it is. I was like, I've seen this movie like days ago. I know what this is and I can't see what it is. <laughs> It can't just be me. <laughs> no, it was all of us. So thank you, thank you, mm-hmm. thank you. Because I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with mountains. And it was not mountains. It was something so else. It was definitely something else. And I'm glad that you told me what it was. Greg, what um, an angel. Well, oh, definitely. Angel Greg. You'll regret saying any time because we will definitely have you back as our Greg's Please. now our third host. <laughs> no, I can never. Y'all's dynamic is too good. I'll be your guest shark from time to time. Ooh, yeah, Ooh, guest yeah. shark. Guess I shark. like that. Um, all right, should we run these credits, Michelle? Yeah, absolutely. We are so glad you guys tuned in. It's always been a fun time. Thank you to Greg, obviously, for being here and making it even more fun than it normally is. If you enjoyed us, you can also hit us up on Instagram or Twitter at Crush Fictionally. And there you will see some of our artwork, who, um, which was done by the lovely and talented Rose Faduk. Uh, we have, our music is done um, by the amazing Edith Mudge. And last but not least, this podcast is produced by the lovely Peter Burns. And uh, remember, guys, to love yourself because your love is real. Bye now. Bye. <laughs>